Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Alarmy. Check out Alarmist on Patreon for ad-free episodes and bonus content. Here's a preview of our Guest Alarmist series only on Patreon. What is that instinct that made you run to the bathroom? Shame. Oh, 100%. I was, I felt so ashamed. <laughs> this was like, it was, she was like an older woman too. Right. And she had this. Like, you were disgracing her. I, she was disgraced. Like, make no mistake. She, like, if she came in with grace, she was disgraced. Yes. Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist and subscribe today. Now on to our episode. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the sinking of SS Princess Alice. Here's what you need to know. Just after sunset on Tuesday, September 3rd, 1878, the paddle steamer Princess Alice chugged its way up the Thames River, returning from Sheerness, Kent to central London. The excursion vessel was packed with pedestrians, many of whom were on a day trip to visit the Pleasure Gardens in Rosherville. But what would begin as a routine passage turned into the worst disaster on any British inland waterway. The Princess Alice was originally named Butte. She was built and launched in 1865 by Curd and Company of Greenock, Scotland. The ship was just under 220 feet long, and it was intended to carry passengers for the Weems Bay Railway Company. However, she was sold in 1867 to the Waterman's Steam Packet Company and sold again in 1870 to the Woolwick Steam Packet Company, a group that would later change its name to the London Steamboat Company. In 1878, she was refurbished, inspected, and permitted to carry up to 936 passengers. London at the time had a sewage problem. It was the height of the Industrial Revolution, and the byproducts of the industrial activity affected not only the air, but the sewers and gutters of the city. In response to this issue, the government built the Crossness Pumping Station, 
a massive public works project that connected all of the city's sewage, carried it to the station, and twice a day, pumped it into the Thames in the outgoing ebbing tide, away from the city center. The route that Princess Alice took on September 3rd, 1878, and its timing couldn't have been worse. She was set to pass by the dumping stations just after over 75 million imperial gallons, closer to 100 U.S. gallons, of the city's waste had been released. To avoid the thick sludge, the captain of the Princess Alice, William Grinstead, turned the ship toward calmer waters on the south side of the river. But out of the darkness ahead appeared the Bywell Castle, a collier ship designed to carry coal and passengers. The Bywell Castle was more than three times the size of Alice in gross tonnage, and it was empty of its coal, so its bow was much higher. Despite futile attempts to slow or alter its course, the Princess Alice was struck on its side by the front of the Bywell Castle and split in two. Passengers on the deck, many of whom couldn't swim and wore heavy wool clothing, were pitched into the river, and many others below deck helplessly submerged with the vessel. Hundreds of people met a horrific demise in the thick, dark, disgusting sewage water. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats The SS Princess Alice was named after Queen Victoria's third child. Princess Alice's sister ship, Duke of Tech, was steaming just 10 minutes behind. The ship arrived too late to rescue anyone left in the water. The immediate aftermath of the Princess Alice and Bywell Castle collision lasted only 10 minutes, after which the water was quietly littered with bodies and debris. Between 69 and 170 people were rescued. 120 victims were buried in a mass grave at Woolwick Old Cemetery. About 130 people were rescued from the collision. Several of those rescued died later from ingesting the polluted water. Of the 750 believed to have been on board, at least 650 are known to have perished, and for weeks, bodies decayed in the polluted water or washed up on the riverbank. This incident remains the greatest loss of life in any Thames shipping disaster and of any British inland waterway shipping accident. No passenger list or headcount was ever made, so the exact figure of those who died has never been known. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is Adrian Bain. Hi, Adrian. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. And I just want our listeners to know, Adrian is the host of Strangers Abroad and uh, the new series, A Race Around the World. I wanted you to tell our listeners a little bit about both shows. Yes, absolutely. Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bisland, both women, worked for newspapers. So Nellie Bly, the originator of the idea, I think a lot of people know her from her um her madhouse, she like broke, she pretended to be insane and broke herself into a madhouse. Like she just any, she was just so bold and daring at a time when women had absolutely no rights. And she was right. like, I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. So she worked for Joseph Pulitzer and she has this idea to go around the world. And once they approve it, they give her 56 hours to get ready. Wow. Um. And so she, you know, one grip sack heads on a steamship uh, headed towards London, and she's trying to make it back to New York in under 80 days. Hence the Jules Verne, you know, and she meets Jules Verne, which is absolutely insane. Um, so the day that Nellie Bly leaves, uh, the new editor of Cosmopolitan Magazine, you know, the one that we have, like, it's like always a sexy woman on the cover, and there's like, you know, 90 calorie cocktails and like how to give the best blowjob like that kind of a magazine used <laughs> to be a literary family christian magazine hilarious um and so that editor reads about nelly Bly's stunt to go around the world and he's like i 
have a woman writer that I could send. I want some of this like publicity. The beautiful poetic thing about this story from a narrative perspective is that um, the fastest way to go around the world is the same way in either direction. So the series is broken up um, like both women travel farther away from each other and then cross over mm. and then redouble back these same places. And they both have two very different writing perspectives. Um, so you, you as the listener get to go to Singapore and Hong Kong and Aden. I love them so much. I want everybody to know about them. They should be a household name. And we're so excited to have you on because, yeah. because of this kind of, uh, I guess travel knowledge that you have. Yeah. Is that what that yeah. And uh th this is the worst segue in the history of segues. Wait, no, oh, wait. oh my god. I forgot. forgot. I have to ask you. What? What is something that's recently alarming you, Adrian? What's something that's keeping you up at night? We oh always my god. ask our guests this question. Fantastic question. I feel like the general insecurity in the podcasting industry is definitely keeping me up at oh, night. Yeah. Like a, a lot of networks this year in their own creative and different ways have um, uh, canceled a lot of shows and, and fired yeah. a lot of producers. Yeah. And it's been really hard. It's been yeah. really hard. Um, and so that has definitely been keeping me up at night yeah yeah this is actually making it harder now to transition um but we can still do it we can do it travel well it was a hard transition it was a hard turn yes. that the princess alice tried uh, to make oh, in yes. the river thames yes thank you chris that wonderful assist. just as just as hard as it is for us to turn yes. into this episode yeah, beautiful and wordsmithing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, I'll about peek right there. I won't mm -hmm. get any better than that. So I'll probably just mute my mic from here on. That's out. right. That's right. Um, I mean, this to me is one of the scariest uh, tragedies that uh, I, I've been learning about recently because not only was there so, were there so many people who uh, sadly um, died in this, in this crash, in this disaster, but it also there's something about a steam river boat and being on a river and being able to see both sides of land yeah. Yeah. that makes safety you feel on both safe. sides. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that this happened with so many people around and um, and the, the land just not so far away is a, a bit unsettling, I guess yeah. I would say. The knowledge of like swimming just being a weird factor, like not knowing yeah. how to just like the assumption that everyone knows how to yeah. swim today is like kind of, you know, I think pretty prevalent, but like that paired with like heavy clothing and sewage and just like general like <laughs> unpreparedness is all a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, why don't we start off by putting that up exactly up on the board? I think the fact that people just didn't, we take that for granted that we know how to swim. I think for, something must have happened in the 70s and 80s well, where I wonder, parents. I wonder how many people don't know how to swim today. I'm actually going to. I think I, well, yeah, well, I'm wondering, like, when did kids swim lessons? Because I grew up in upstate New York. So, like, that was a very big part of my um, like childhood was like everybody learned how to swim in, in like the Krellin Pond where there was lore about like snapping turtles that would like bite your feet off. Like it was a very great six-year-old experience. Yeah. But it's like, I have friends who grew up in the city in Brook in Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn. They don't know how to swim. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so I'm true. really, I'm really curious, like. And they are where... living on an island, basically. They're surrounded by water. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We got two rivers to swim through, exactly. you know, and I the mean... ocean. You're right. I wonder, Chris, if you could look up a fact of like at least how many well, Americans uh, know how to swim. And then around the world, is it is it as prevalent as, as we might I'll think? I'll tell you right now, according to a cursory Google search, that one in five Americans don't know how to swim. So call it about 80 percent do. OK, right. that's actually so pretty a, high. It's a pretty high. Uh huh. But in terms of the world, uh -huh. it's estimated that about 30 to 40 percent know how to swim. Wow. So Whoa. a much smaller, a much yeah. smaller percentage of world population, which makes yeah. sense in a lot of ways. I mean, um, I mean, learning how to swim is a very privileged, um, right. and, you yeah. know, experience or, and or a lot of, skill. And a lot of people live like 
in land, yeah, you know, right. like if you don't, if you're not on the coast, right? You're like, I'll wade in a lake, but like, yeah. who's going to be doing laps? You know, mm-hmm. if that's not just like part of your life or like trying to go out really yeah. far, you know? And I feel like now today we also have like life vests. Like, did they have life vests back then? And when was that well, created? I'll tell you what, there weren't enough life vest- right. vests on this boat. And yeah. there was only about uh, two or so uh, lifeboats. There were very few lifeboats that were um, attached. Um Going back to to um, swimming, this is 1878. Not a lot of people. Um, th- this particular uh, boat was being used by, I would say, lower middle class to working class mm. um, people who were on a, going out on a day trip. Day trips, it, yeah. it was, yeah. uh, and 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 if you're working class, it's 1878. You live in London. Odds are you don't really have a lot of time for recreation per se. Right. You're not going to yeah. spend your afternoons learning how to swim or any of that kind of stuff. So I, yeah. I feel like putting that into context really helps. Right. Mm-hmm. Leisure time really didn't start booming until like, at least in America, in like the 20s. Like it wasn't until like, oh, we don't have to spend hours making our clothes anymore like i think the big boom of leisure time like probably happened a little this is just my feeling this is not a fact but it's like probably sometime like after world war ii is when i think leisure really took off yeah Um, so maybe we put lack of leisure time and and like inequality on the board exactly i think a lot of this is like the fact that it's people who are like the fact that it's like a poor class as well is a big mm-hmm. aspect. The Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Most of these people are working. You know, the 40-hour work week didn't come about until much, much later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These people are working over 60 hours. I mean, sometimes 80. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Um, that at, Around that time, they were they were fighting to lower the, the uh, weekly... I'm sorry. Yes, the weekly um, working hours to mm-hmm. 60. I right. think that's what they were like fighting for. Yeah, right. Like, Please, yeah. at least make we'll it do 60. 60. <laughs> yeah. So let's put up, because while you're right, I think that leisure wasn't a big, leisure time wasn't a big thing. Something that was very important to people uh, during the Victorian era was this idea of getting a change of air. Hmm. So yeah, that's what you want to put on the board, getting yes, a change of air. Okay. A change of air. A change okay. of air. Do explain. Okay. So this is from an article uh, from the BBC. The Industrial Revolution was in full flow, and the invention of steam engine meant that factories could go anywhere, not just near natural power sources. Mm. They went to the towns and cities at a time when Britain's population was increasing rapidly from 6 million to, uh, in 1750 to 9 million 50 years later. Cities were expanding even faster, and now redundant farm workers migrated to the nearest towns to find work. Uh, this growth had enormous consequences. Death rates were high and far worse in cities than in the countryside. Smallpox, typhus, tuberculosis were endemic and cholera alarmingly epidemic. Overcrowding combined with poor sanitation and often grinding poverty to leave many people vulnerable to the latest outbreak of anything nasty. This is from a paper by Richard E. Morris. Health travel came into vogue in the mid 18th century. When European physicians began to recommend a change of air to Mm. patients suffering from such nervous ailments as melancholy and uh, hypochondriasis, the purpose of the change of air was to revitalize the patient by coaxing a focus on new objects and new locales. Mm. Patients who followed through on these uh, recommendations typically returned to their work lives invigorated an early victorian advocate of of change of air was irish surgeon james johnson whose very successful book change of air or the diary of a philosopher in pursuit of health and recreation chronicled a self-prescribed treatment that johnson undertook through france and other countries and the antidote that johnson proposed for such evils that people could um uh, get uh uh, you know, from from uh, ailments was to go to the opposite kind of air. 
So if you had um, a lot of congestion, you would go to a dry location. Mm. Um, so and, and around the same time, the sea voyage cure was uh, coming about, uh, not coming about, but enjoying renewed interest. Um, and that was for people who believed it was good for tuberculosis. So that was it's just, very much like go west here in the Americas, yes, right? Yes. Like go uh, you're sick yeah, in the yeah. east, go west, sit in the sun, go to your sunroom and just like convalesce. Yeah, that was a com- <laughs> that was a common trope. You see that in a lot of movies. You hear about that a lot. Like yeah. Just yeah. getting fresh air or going to like, yeah. So I wish a my lot- doctor would also be like, you just need sea breeze. Like go to the coast. <laughs> you know, like they don't yeah. recommend that anymore. I I'm know. like, I think you just need a break. I think no, you just need have- to look at nature. We have sea breeze pills now. Where you yeah, yeah, like yeah. There's no time for, for sea breeze. breeze. Yeah. Um, but these, uh, so a lot of the people that were on the steam uh, ship, mm-hmm. a steamboat, were um, were going out for the day. And many believe that it was a way to get away from the pollution yeah. of the city and breathe in some fresh air and then, you know, have some fun and come back kind of reju- reinvigorated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to put the industrial rev up there, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, I think you're right. Because that's what that's what caused all the pollution. And as we'll get to later, what caused the, um, you know, the foul sort of uh, sewage that was dumped into the Thames. Like right. that that big problem that London had at the time um, was a direct result of all these sort of industrial buildings creating all this industrial waste, not only in the air, but... Um, obviously in sort of liquid and like solid form in the yeah. streets right. and the gutters. Also, are both ships steamships? Because that would also be like a bracket under the Industrial Revolution. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, so- one the one ship, sorry. No, no, go ahead. You no, know, the, Bywell Ca- the Bywell Castle yes. was a... Um, Coal. It was, it was, was a coal, coal ship, a collier okay. they're called. Much bigger so it, too, right? Yes, yeah. huge. Yeah, big. And also sort of built sort of like it's had the big metal hull. Like it was massive, meant to hold a lot of coal. And they had yeah. just dropped off a bunch of coal. But yeah, exactly. And like the, transporting the Princess energies. Alice was made of wood. It was much smaller. Just for uh, passengers, I think. It was just for passengers. Mm-hmm. Right. So... There's a lot of technical stuff we have to put up on the board. Okay. Um, first, let's put the different steering techniques Okay. In, in, in the Thames. So this is from the London Column. Apparently, the skipper of the Bywell Castle, Captain Harrison, had spotted the lights of the Princess Alice and had correctly set a course to pass to the starboard of her. However, the skipper of the Princess Alice, Captain William Grinstead, followed an old seaman's practice of finding the slack water of an outgoing tide, and this put the two vessels on a direct collision course. Harrison attempted to reverse engine, uh, engines, but to no avail. This, his heavy iron ship rammed the dainty pleasure cruiser and split her in two. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's very... When you, when you get into the details of how this accident happened, the, you know, let, let's talk about there were so many people on mm-hmm. this ship. Yeah. It was overcrowded. And when, when the Bywell uh, Castle split it in two, it sunk in about four minutes. Right. Which is actually, it's very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There were no, there was no time to, even if there had been like protocols, like every, it were in the case of a, of, of an accident, everyone come to the top of the ship. We'll get our life jackets on. Uh, right. We'll, we'll get on lifeboats. There wouldn't have been time for any of that right. protocol. Well, anyway. and that really speaks to the, the, the intensity of the collision. It, like yeah. They, yeah. They, it slammed into it so hard that it wasn't like the Titanic that we all know about where it just like scraped the side and there was a slow like this like smashed into this mm-hmm. boat. Right. Mm-hmm. Split it in two. Um, and just to sort of circle back, we were talking about the captain. So the captain of the Bible castle, Thomas Harrison. Okay. But he put Dix in charge um, to go through the Thames because he was mm-hmm. familiar with river. Uh, sure. sort of river driving and this ship would be out in the seas most of the time and that's when harrison did so but harrison sort of designated dicks to get through the, the sure river, just fyi gotcha let's put the captains up on the yeah. board okay 
for, for their steering or whatever miscalculation occurred. This is from uh, BBC. Robert Haynes, a musician in the Princess Alice band, was also saved. The double bass player was fond of ships and had noticed the Bywell Castle a couple of minutes before the collision. It looked to him as though the collier was heading straight for the smallest boat, but he thought little of it, having faith that Bywell Castle would alter its path. So some people even noticed, those who were up on the top of the ship, even noticed that there was a, a ship coming right, right, at, right them. at them. Right. Mm. But they thought nothing of it because it was almost like too obvious. Like you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there is like that weird, and I don't know how to qualify this for the board, but when you're on a boat or you're on a plane, you sort of just assume that whoever's in charge knows better than you. Yeah. Because you're not you're not an expert in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> you see a yeah. big ship coming in. At what point do you panic? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Are don't we know. putting Captain Harrison or do you want uh, Dix on the board for the Christopher Bywell? Dix? I think it's I think it's got to be both. Harrison, right? Because he was in charge. Let's put them both up there and then yeah, because decide it later. They were off course, technically. So Harrison I mean, and what was Dix's first name? Christopher. Christopher Dix. Okay. He's a fellow Christopher like me, so I'm going to defend him to the death. <laughs> sure. So I feel like the overcrowding um, is something we also have to put up on the board. Okay. Uh, overselling tickets that led oh. to overcrowding, perhaps. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, this is from AP News. Most of those who were below when the collision occurred died due to overcrowding and the speed with which the ship went down. Bodies were found piled in doorways and companionways when the wreck was raised, and for weeks afterward, boatmen on the river were fishing corpses out and taking them ashore for a reward of five shillings each. Yeah. Oof. Ooh, um, boy, it's, it's bad. Um, this is from the BBC article again. Uh, other survivors described being overwhelmed by an instinct of survival. One man told the Illustrated Police News, a somewhat sensationalist tabloid, how he had to push drowning people off of him to reach safety. Mm. Oh, God. Claude Hamilton Whale said, I found my brother swimming about. We were both good swimmers and we made for the screw steamer. The 20-year-old clerk added, the water was full of people. We had great difficulty in avoiding them. A woman clutched me, but I got away and I saw her go down uh. like a stone. I know it's horrible. Merriman uh, was taken to uh, South Woolwick Pier after he was retrieved from the water. There were others also rescued, but few recovered. One boy died on my lap. Yes. Uh, for, I know it's 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 feel really terrible. There, there, and I just want to say, you know, at the end they did an inquest, and they there was no, um. Matt, what would you call it? Like a list of, of passengers? There was no right. manifest, or something? manifest yeah. of who was on the boat because right. oh the way God. that they sold their tickets was a daily fare. So it, you could use that ticket to go back and forth uh, hmm. in one day. So you, if you were, if people were just getting hopping right. on and off the ship, right. then they wouldn't keep track of who was on it. So. Yeah. Right, right. There's it's no like, it's like the subway. Like you don't have like yeah. a, they don't no one keep is track. keeping yeah. track of everyone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or like got mm -hmm. on a bus. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You're just like, I'm on, I'm off. I, right. I want to bring up just something that we, I feel like we've talked about in the past, this phrase, the power of water, like how I like kind of, <laughs> yes. we underestimate, Absolutely. you know, like we are surrounded by it everywhere. And like, you know, in a trickle, it just seems like nothing, but like, you know, like un waves undercurrents, yeah. like, water weighting things down flooding things like it can be so destructive and like there's a false sense of security you're getting on a boat it floats you're not you're not going to somehow right. contact the water but in the event that you do and there's not like every safety measure set up even if all the safety measures are in place it's still really tricky not to, to like avoid casualties or injuries because it's yeah heavy it weighs you down it's exhausting mm -hmm. like your adrenaline is like all of that stuff like yeah and if it, you don't know like how to move with it like if you're ever hit in the face with like a wave from the ocean it is a terrifying and like it's like a punch in the like, face pulled under yeah. like that is a really 
even for like a strong swimmer, like that is a really like shaky experience once you like come mm -hmm. up for air. So mm. especially because this was like not that, you know, this was just like more. It sounds like it was calmer waters, but like still just as. Mm hmm. The chaos. Well, the, tide, the tide was going like, I guess they call it an ebbing tide, which I don't uh -huh. know a lot about. But what we'll get to is that they had this um, public works system where the sewage was dumped out and it was dumped right. out just before uh, the crash, which is what made it right. really difficult for these passengers to sort of survive. And a lot of them actually died not of drowning, but I believe of, of, of poisoning consuming well, like or toxins yes. yeah. Yeah. yes exactly oh, so let, we can get to that but what i was gonna to, like, well, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah about but that. they 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 just in terms of going back to what adrian was saying it's like um the ebbing the tide was like pushing water out into the sea at this time. right that's which is why they had dumped the sewage so there was a stronger current i see i see yes oh god mm -hmm. so, uh, i mean and on top of that these people are wearing heavy Victorian yes. clothing. Fashion yeah. industry. We, we got to put the fashion industry up on the <laughs> board for this. Wow. Adrian, Rebecca's been wanting to get the fashion industry into the Olympics. I, I think we have. Take them down. Have. I've been successful. But we're take them down. This. Those fascists yes. in the fashion industry, <laughs> exactly. they do not care no. for I mean, breathable clothing. But it's no. also like, also, like London in September, it's chilly out. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say you're you're, you're layered. You're layered. You're already you're, layered. You've got your wool layers on, and exactly. I mean, we we learned this a little bit um, in the uh, Natalie Wood episode. Yes, um, when she falls in with her coat. When, right? when she falls in with her coat, and that was a huge yeah. factor yeah. in in a lot of these people on this in this disaster um, drowning because. If God forbid you're you're ever on a boat and you fall in the water, take your clothes off. If you can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, can. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like we don't go to the yeah. We don't go in the pool off. with like a suit on, and if you do, no, you realize yeah. how what weighted down that gets as soon as you like. Yeah. If you're like doing something silly, you jump, and then you're like, oh my god, I can't even stand up. <laughs> like yeah. you gotta. Yeah, <laughs> but even like Victorian. Uh, like swimwear was all long sleeved, yeah. all like long. So I just, yeah, I think you're right. I think the fashion industry, but like you couldn't show an ankle back then. Right. So we could also claim oh, like, like puritan a little bit of puritanical values. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I you love know, that. like, yes. Yeah, so. Totally. Um, let's talk about the sewage. Yes. Very important. Ugh. Yeah. Um, huge part of this disaster that makes it um double uh sad but also very gross it's like very an gross. insult on injury is that yes, the phrase exactly. Yeah, exactly that's that's so let's put the sewage uh or the pollution in the thames river in uh you know 1878 yeah um this is from ap news in the year 1878 there was no protection for the environment back then and when the passengers were thrown from the ship they landed in water polluted with 75 million gallons of raw sewage that had been released into the river an hour before. I mean, don't you think you would even, even if you don't get in a shipwreck, are you just on a boat smelling that? You're smelling it, right? 100%. You have to. So, 100%. I actually. Because also, like, what is the booance? Like, is right. the sewage more buoyant than like, is it going to sink or swim? It's a good I'm question. I can't remember the biology terms for it in this moment, but, but now so I'm, then I'm, are I'm you thinking, smelling it even more? I'm thinking that could have been a reason why there were so many people who were, that were inside the vessel. Right. When the accident, mm. Because why would you be great out point. up top? You don't want to smell that. No. Yeah. Oh, great point. So, so this then actually... the weight of that ship is like more concentrated because oh my god oh my god Gross. it's yeah. terrible. This is this is from the Royal Museum of Greenwich. The water in this stretch of the Thames was foul. One mm -hmm. survivor, Mister Huddert, said later, "I noticed something very peculiar in the water. Both the taste and smell were something dreadful, something that could not you that I could not describe. Having been down to the bottom and having rose again with my mouth full of it." I could give a very good picture of it. It was the most horrid water I ever tasted and the smell was also equally bad. No wonder. The water was full, full of sewage from the northern and southern sewers, which discharged waste into nearby Barking Reach. So I guess they had 
Oh, well, actually, this should explain it. Pollution caused by the unrestricted release of raw sewage into the river was to blame for numerous deaths. The stretch of the river in which the accident occurred had recently had a deadly cocktail of chemicals and microbe uh, laden sewage emptied into it, resulting in poisonous waters being ingested by victims. Even if they could swim, there was little chance they could survive the pollution. Writing at the time, a chemist described the terrible conditions in graphic terms. At high water, twice in 24 hours, the floodgates of the outfalls are open when there is where when there is projected into the river two continuous columns of decomposed fermenting sewage mm. hissing like soda water with baneful gases so black that the water is stained for miles and discharging a corrupt charnel house odor that would be remembered by all who have passed through it on those summer excursions mm. as being it was peculiarly depressing and sickening um so I guess twice daily they oh, would release seventy-five million gallons and of raw sewage. Just to just to sort of because uh, I got really fascinated by this. Yeah, um, I did a little research and got <laughs> got into the history of this. And London, Victorian London, the the sort of problem that happened during the industrial era was that like they blew up in population. Right. I was yeah. gonna say population control or right, exactly. And they they've blew... like never had a good handle on like their sewage waste. Like just historically, London has it... been like, no offense. Now it's lovely, <laughs> but historically it's been like really gross and like areas have been subject to just like fire because right. like parts well... of the city burned down because of just like so much like garbage everywhere. It wow. was a big problem, but Two decades before this accident, in, in 1858, there was something called the Great Stink, which was like, <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was the Thames. It was this big outcry because the Thames was just littered with human waste because of the current system. They actually not fixed it, but this guy, Joseph Basileghetti or something like that, he created the, the, the system. sewer system, yeah, right. okay. which which this, um, this outpour, this yeah. sort of dump was the result of essentially, um, which is basically like, it's a complicated system of sewers that leads to these reservoirs. And then twice a day while the, while the river is like ebbing out, it releases the, the sewage. And it was a much bigger improvement on the old system. So sure. this is like actually a massive improvement. Right. However, it was, it's new, it's sort of implemented and it now it's coming into contact with this obviously form of like transport right yeah. and it so, got it got like excrement off the streets but it didn't really solve the river problem right it just like right. kept a lot relying on the river to be like the right although ground. yeah although we what we're talking about is is the crash site is much outside outside the city center uh, okay right. yeah. so so it in a sense fixed the problem in the city more populated city center sure. and it, it sort of pushed it out right. to the quieter areas i have two questions so if if depending on like when do we think that the passenger ship was going against the current which i feel like would make it more difficult to navigate as well because the river like that's possible like i think, I think, like, I think right the because... thames the thames exits like uh east into like the coast of England, so they would have been heading west in the opposite direction. They would be going Correct. against the river yeah. current. Because mm -hmm. they were my returning. My second thought is, maybe this is why so many people in that area didn't know how to swim, is because the river was just so disgusting. You're right. Like, yeah. that's like their... Where are you going? You're not going to a pool. Exactly. You know, like, I don't know mm -hmm. how, like, other lakes and stuff are in that area of England, right, but right. I'm like, if that's your main area to learn how to swim, like no one's, no I, one's I can't, you know, I can't go in the mm -mm. Hudson River. No, you know, no. like no, no. It's 2024, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. God, God yeah. forbid, you know. All right. Yes. So yeah. I think that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, I feel like we have a good board. Okay. Um, do you want to put? I mean, I think we're forgetting in here. terms of this like sewage thing. Oh, Clayton has put sewage, Thames River pollution. Yes. Okay. We've Population got the sewage. Explosion. We've got the industrial revolution. Um, let's we... read it, see where we're at. If we want to add anything, we can. Okay. Let's okay, take a great. quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the board. 
In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, who's to blame for the sinking of the SS Princess Alice? Is it taking the ability to swim for granted? <laughs> Lack of leisure time, inequality, getting a change of air, industrial revolution, different steering techniques, Captain Grinstead, uh, Grinstead Captain Harrison, Christopher Dix, overcrowding slash overselling tickets, the power of water, Fashion industry, puritanical values, sewage slash the Thames River pollution, or population explosion control. Ooh. Uh, I mean, yeah. part of me just going kind of going back to maybe the only thing that's missing here, like um going back to what Chris is saying about the this big like solution for the sewage is like uh, and, and in relation to population control, it's just like a lack of city planning. I feel like, you know, the yeah. evolution of like city planning is still a thing and like how you manage mm -hmm. populations. But it just seems like back then the it was like an afterthought, like they didn't they weren't really thinking about how to properly accommodate a growing population right. or sort of account for their safety. Because, again, yeah. we came across this with um the the thanksgiving day uh disaster of the in that football game in right. america which was that like there just aren't a lot of regulations right. and sort of the value of human life is sort of like it's less valuable than it is now it really right. just was um and you know that's where we landed on that i don't know if we want to include that here i i don't not sure this feels more like an accident that you know, sure. I, know. It's the I feel like that ties back into inequality. Yeah. Because like right. the, yeah. this is, you know, like poor people and the middle class are taking this. And like if there were other modes of transportation, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that a lot of wealthy people were on this. Mm -hmm. No. You know? On. Yeah. So I feel like it's more with the inequality. Yeah. Okay. We'd probably fold it into that eventually anyway. So that sounds right. And how that manifests is with the um, overcrowding and yeah. just the overselling of the tickets and getting as many people on these Definitely. ships and not caring mm -hmm. if there's too many at right. one time. Yeah. Right. People, airplanes still do that. And it yeah. blows my mind mm -hmm. that they like still oversell tickets. Mm -hmm. it's like you, I, I know they're hoping or they're, they're expecting people to 
either cancel or miss their flight. But that yeah. just can't be, be a way to 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 run a business. No. Right. Yeah. Right. right. If you're running your business that way and parts of your plane are falling off Madeira's one just did on Alaska Airlines. Oh my God. And that's where oh. you should be spending your money. <laughs> oh my God. So now that we have this board, I, I feel like there's not a lot of obvious things to take off the board. Mm. I mean, perhaps getting a change of air could come off. Do you guys yeah. do you guys include just like like bad luck? Like it just seems like it was like so many. There are a lot of right. small pushes. Like it's mm -hmm. it all lined up. Like the planets unfortunately aligned in this moment. Mm -hmm. It's true. I'm curious yeah, if you, I mean, in the way that you include power of water. I'm like, do you ever just like just it's poor timing? <laughs> power of water, yeah, bad timing. Yeah, I mean we can just we can put it up on the board. I Why think. Not? We've had bad timing on the board yeah, before. Yeah, bad bad timing also plays in not only in the this huge massive release of all the sewage, but yeah. also uh, dark the darkness, the light. I think made it might made it more difficult oh. for the boats to see each other because yeah. it was so dark. It was the evening. That's right. Oh, yeah. It took place around seven p.m. Right. Seven twenty or yeah. between seven twenty and seven forty. I feel like that's probably close to when the sun would go. Mm. down if not yeah. like the sun was like close sure. to setting yeah no it was it was it was set it was set, it was it set. set. okay no yeah, yeah yeah totally it was dark oh. out. yeah okay i that feel like it even scarier too now that if you think about it oh yeah you know you're kind yeah. of in darkness usually a river is is oh, darker because it's you're not in a there are there are no um, like street lights or any, right. yeah. you know, well, ambient lighting. And to that point, like one of the scariest and most like harrowing accounts that I like read in my research was that um, the the sounds of this was that it was just shrieking and screaming mm, and in the then, dark. And then like yeah. four minutes later, silence. Right. Oh, oh my terrible. God. Yeah. That's really awful. How and to that, I wanted I want to take off lack of leisure time because that really kind of feels like victim blaming, like we're blaming people for not yeah. being yeah, able no. to sure. swim. You know, yeah. like no, I, yeah. I don't think yeah. that was. Right. I just don't, yeah, I don't think that was part of their society back then. Yeah, I also feel like if that's the case, then we can take their ability to swim. Um, for yeah, granted. I, yeah, agree, yeah. agree. I'm not sure yeah. that's yeah. If anything, I would I would honestly blame the the fashion industry over their ability to swim. Right. Right. I would say like oh, that contributes to like maybe the the mortality, but you can't even say that because even if everyone knew how to swim, there was the sewage factor. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So even like the strongest swimmers like could get sick and die. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then that yeah, then that like mm, that's so tricky because I'm curious if they had like warnings of like do not swim in this river, like if if it was common knowledge for people to not swim in the mm -hmm. Thames. Right. You know, I, like, not like, I don't want to make that sound like it was their fault that they were in it, but I'm like, was that just common knowledge that like, oh, we don't go in this? Right, like board this ship at your own risk because if it sinks <laughs> and yeah. you can swim, you might still die kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's really grim. Yeah. I, I, think, I think maybe we should focus a little more on the crash itself, which okay. yeah, obviously I think all of these factors mm. made it so that it was a very you know, like a high death, death toll. Like uh -huh. it was made yeah. really particularly I mean, gruesome. Yeah. And like the fact but, is, but it was the crash itself that, you know, uh, uh, you know, sent all these people into the water. Yeah. Okay. There's no other choice. Like this is the mode of transportation. Like there's, there's right. not an alternative like this. Yeah. They are where they are because this is what's available to them. So it's like, yeah, let's focus on the logistics of it. seems more. So yeah. in, 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 in that, in that case, I think we should take off puritanical values and okay. the fashion yeah. industry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Yeah, while they maybe contributed, um, right? It did. It wasn't the cause of the. To me, it's more. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And to me, it's more like a steering techniques, or if we want to go big picture, industrial revolution. Right. Because yeah. Because it. Yeah. It all. It all can sort of. You can kind of. Right. And see it all kind of downstream of this. I mean. Downstream. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you take off. Um, sewage uh, in the river only because that seems like kind of like an after the fact thing like uh mm. you know it's not like it, it may have caused more deaths but like the deaths were caused because there was a collision first do you know what i mean like the only reason they were in the water is because of the crash 
I guess but that's would more true. people have survived if they didn't ingest toxic waste? Possible. Right. I, possible but a few, but I don't think it, the the casualties would have too been few people knew how to swim just yeah. in general. I, I, exactly. Cuz do we know how close to the shore uh mm. they crashed? Mm -hmm. You know like the I'm not people exactly who, like, sure. Yeah, yeah, the people who like did make it to land, like how far were they in the, like the middle of the river or were they like actually kind of closer to one side versus the other? Right. But it was not the middle of the river. It it was closer to the um port side, I think, which is okay. the left side of the of the ship. Right. Um <sighs> but uh nonetheless it was still I mean it's a massive river, so I mean Yeah. Yeah. Um <sighs> Hmm. I, I, I'm thinking because like I, I think a big part of the of the a large part of the reason why there were so many casualties was because the everyone was inside the boat. Yeah. And when it, it, it came apart, when it split in two, they were almost stuck because it started. They couldn't get so out quickly. Right. Quickly. So even if they could swim, uh, they were, you know, you would have there you're inside a boat go that's going right. down I mean, right. so how do you get out yeah so then did we it's... go back to the captains then like who are making the calls about how to steer the ship yeah. down you know, it seems like there was some big mis miscommunication between yeah. the captains and that makes me feel like the different steering techniques yeah might because if they a problem if they had both like adjusted if they had both read each other correctly or just made like one slight difference mm. you know then it then the crash wouldn't have happened whatsoever yeah but I don't and know there was no communication was right i guess was there like yeah, was there morse no... code back then like were they tapping buttons so, no but you couldn't I, I do it on it wasn't so, on ships right well so you could do it on trains a... but you couldn't do it on ships oh, well there was a okay. light Okay, oh, so light. Like, okay. When, one, when one ship turns in a certain direction, it you flash, flash a, a certain way. Yeah. I see. So that was a communication technique. Okay. But okay. the turn that the Alice made was an unusual turn. I'm, I think it was a port um. side, which is a left turn um, to avoid the sewage. Um, mm, and, right. And so it, it, like that turn, uh, according to, I, and this is just based on my like research, was that according to sort of um, typical standard moves and deviations of the time, that was an unusual move to make. So uh -huh. it was the, the captain of the, the Alice that made that turn. Avoiding the sewage. This would be such an interesting legal case because you'd have so many art lawyers arguing over what's the city's fault for having the dumping in the first place. And right. like, no, it's Literally. the captain's fault for making the call. No. And no, it's that guy for not, you know, like the, yeah. it's so intricate yeah, and complicated. For the record, Ultimately, after the inquest was made and uh, uh, yes, yeah, everything was decided upon, they did blame the the SS uh, Princess Alice. For its maneuver? Yeah. Hmm. So, but that said, you know, we have our own uh, verdict. So maybe um, it goes back to the sewage after all. He's, a, he's making a weird turn because he's trying to get his ship away let's, from the sewage let, let's clear the board here uh and 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 see what we're left okay with. let's take yeah. out bad luck let's take out population yeah. explosion yeah. um i think let's take off the actual overcrowding actually because it it didn't sink from like weight go under yes right. exactly right. i mean it, it shouldn't have happened but and, and the the power of i mean yeah we just have to respect water. it it is what it is yeah yeah so then we're left with um and honestly i i don't i wonder if the inequality i don't think that is a huge i mean yeah huh. i mean it definitely speaks to like the 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 people who were on the ship like yeah yes but like and anyone even if this could have been a were, luxury liner going down and making the yeah. same turn if, and having the same you know effect or if there were two people on it you right. Know, right versus yeah, yeah. what 750 yeah. yeah it does well, i think yeah we can take that off so then we're left with the industrial revolution <laughs> steering techniques the captain of the uh Alice. Captain of Alice, Princess Alice. 
and uh, the captain of the um, Bywell. Bywell Castle. Bywell Castle. Mm. And then the sewage, the you... the the river pollution. Yeah. And we can uh, take, Dix take off. Christopher Dix off just because Cap, you know, the captains are the captains, right? Yeah. Sure. It seems like people who had these accounts just based off of what Chris had recapped in my broken memory, but it seems like those people had like a stronger panic for survival because it was so disgusting to mm -hmm. be in. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we were in crystal clear waters, like, Yes, it would have been scarier, but would there have been this, like, would the survival instinct have been as, like, insane? Mm. So I'm almost like, do we take sewage out? Mm. Yeah. Because if it was in, like, nights or water, would people have been like, okay, this is sucks, but maybe we can help each other more. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder. I, I, I do wonder about that. That's but I think question. the sewage definitely, like, contributed to the awfulness yeah absolutely. Of it and how many people ended up dying yes. because it was yeah. toxic yeah and the reason why the the, the they were steering away well that's my thing exactly oh yes, yes so then yes, maybe yes. that is like if there hadn't it been the sewage factor and yeah. they were like we don't need to avoid the sewage then they could have just kept going straight on and there would have never right. been a need to turn like is there that would have been more space on the river right mm. i so mean then, it's very technical but yeah what what do we what do we think about this? Death by technicality. What if we, <laughs> God, that's awful. It's awful. What if we uh blame the sewage and we slap the captain or the the two captains for their steering techniques? Is that weird? Do we blame the Bible? I feel like the Bible castle guy like really tried to they, it was counterbalance. Just, it was too counterbalance. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah it was just do anything yeah. about it. Yeah, but it, we, I it think was we like have too to late. assume. Yeah, I think we have to assume that he saw it when he saw it, and he tried all that he could, and yeah. by all accounts, he did. Yeah, yeah. I feel okay. good about blaming the sewage. Yeah, and yeah. Then he I feel good about blaming the, the, the captain of uh, of Princess Alice. Yeah, I like Sorry, that. Man. I'm going for it here, Captain William Grinstead. Uh, captain of the SS Princess Alice, you're getting the big slap. And sewage in the Thames, you're going to the alarmist jail. <laughs> so, I mean, this wasn't a, an easy job. It wasn't a clean, this was a dirty job you had to help us with, Adrian. Yeah. It was a delightfully strange way yes, to spend yes. my afternoon. <laughs> but I'm, I, we couldn't have done it without you. I wouldn't, um, I am so honored to have been part of this uh, prosecution, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yes. Which is not, uh -huh. it, it's not normally in my wheelhouse, but I, I it, this was an amazing way to spend my afternoon <laughs> uh, and be with you lovely people. So it was well, very fun. Adrian, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. In the aftermath, changes were made both to steam navigation and to the treatment of sewage in London as a result of the sinking of Princess Alice. And in a cruel twist of fate, five years after the crash, the Bywell Castle disappeared in a storm off the coast of Portugal. The Alarmist is now on Patreon. Subscribe and get ad-free content along with bonus episodes. Go to patreon.com slash thealarmist or check out the link in our show description. Visit our website, www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, at thealarmistpodcast and on Twitter, at alarmistthe. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with editing by Molly Hockey and fact-checking by Chris Smith. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Super Bowl 38 halftime show controversy. The Alarmist. Powered by ACAST. 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.